Welcome back to another episode of A Cup of Joel on this Easter General Conference and April Fool's Sunday. Today, Joel and I talk about the true nature of God in regards to prayer and how he answers our prayers. We also take a few predictions on who the new Quorum of the Twelve Apostles will be, and spoiler alert, we were totally wrong. So I'm excited to share this episode with you, and I hope you each enjoy it. Have a great day. This is the ACAL Life, a place where LDS women, and really any woman, can come to learn how every aspect of their life is beautiful and has purpose. A place to help you realize how important you are, and that this place we call Earth just wouldn't be the same without you. So sit back and take a breather in that unfolded laundry, and let's chat for a moment about your amazing life. Welcome back to the podcast, Joel. It is another fast Sunday, and it happens to be General Conference Sunday and April Fools. Are you doing anything for April Fools, Joel? You know, we've never been a big April Fools family. I mean, I'm aware of it, and ha ha, I'm okay with it. But no, no, got no pranks. Yeah. Lose your money on to be our new uh, leaders in Salt Lake. So this is my this is my prediction that I would love to have come true. So Bonnie Oscarson, I knew Bonnie Oscarson. She was my one of my young women's leaders, and she's the general young women's president. Right? Do tell, do tell. Yeah. So she was in my ward in New Jersey growing up, and um, I actually uh, reconnected with her through social media a couple of, like before she was ever called. And right. her daughter lived in, one of her daughters lives in um, Oregon. And so I went down and saw her one time when um, I was out visiting my parents. So that was kind of fun. And then she got called. And then when we were out in Utah one time as a family, we went to her office and met, met her and everything. So okay. her husband's a really cool guy. So I'm like, she's getting released. Oh, so it'd be she? really Yeah, I think this is her five. I think she is. This is her five-year you know, Mark, and yeah. that's how long they serve for. So if she gets released, I think it'd be really cool if her husband gets called as a general authority. All right. I'll put <laughs> 20 bucks on that. <laughs> so it could happen, right? And uh, I don't know. There was a there was a guy that I listened to recently on a BYU devotional. I don't remember his name. And I was like, oh, I really like him. I need to go back and see what his name is. A couple of my friends, like Lynn Robinson. Robbins, Lynn Robbins, Lynn Robinson. Yeah, yeah. So, who knows? You know, knows? I'm excited. It might be a a dark horse like Elder Bednar comes out of nowhere. Comes out of nowhere. That's exactly right. Which I think would be awesome. So, what's, what's interesting is, uh, you know, this is President Nelson's first time, you know, obviously, mm -hmm. as the general conference, the top guy, mm -hmm. and he's the one who kind of runs these replacements. His first opportunity to do this and he himself was the last corporate 12 guy to come to the 12 not as a ga ah interesting I mean, he came in straight as a, a surgeon wasn't mm. he the last one i mean no I other bednar well wasn't he uh he was the president a, of byu idaho yeah but i thought he was a ga of some sort maybe i'm wrong okay i don't think so okay okay, okay. that's why I, I said he was the dark horse he came out of well, nowhere well, interesting. Elder Oaks also came to the 12 straight out of non-GA land. Did he come he, straight as BYU president? 
No, well, he came straight off the Supreme Court, the Utah Supreme Court, didn't oh, he? I don't know. I, I think he left the BYU and was on the Supreme Court for not that long of a period of time, maybe a mm-hmm. couple years. Huh. So two of the three first presidency members, you were dark horses, if you, the way you define it. I love that definition. <laughs> they're, comfortable, they're comfortable with that anyway, so. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I just think... Why not? Why not? Tell Greg not to answer his phone. Oh, that is totally covered. I'm not worried. <laughs> <laughs> we never answer our home phone anyway. They'd there have to, we like, go. They'd have to send representatives to our door. Hey, we're looking for your husband. That's right. Please have him come with us. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it's interesting because I remember um, the last time some of the you know, apostles talk about how they're called. They're sometimes not called until like today. Right. Right. Like, hey, come to my office. Oh, by the way, tomorrow. That's right. right. (laughs) Lucky you. (laughs) Yeah. Probably because no one can keep their mouth shut and keep it contained. They say, why give you advance notice? She'll tell your wife and she'll tell her sister and their sister will tell. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, exciting weekend, an exciting weekend. Yeah. And also, that the uh, Rome Temple, after I didn't realize it's been ten years since that thing got announced. Yeah, I just realized that too the other day. I'm wow. like, that is, yeah. And they announced the open house for next January. Yeah, and that's a long time to advance notice for an open house. Yeah, so I think that that is really fun that that will be an open house next year, and it's yeah. a beautiful complex. So. I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. And I'm sure there's some backstories to why this thing took 10 years to get built. And mm-hmm. yeah. But uh, happy days. Happy days indeed. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see if there's any more temple announcements tomorrow. Correct. Sunday or whenever they announce them. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm never quite sure which session gets all the, the major stuff. Yeah. All right. Okay. So what are we talking about today, Joel? You know, Joseph Smith said that the first principle of the gospel is to understand the true nature of God. He also said the first principle of the gospel is faith. So we have several first principles. <laughs> uh, I thought we would talk about, uh, you know, what does he mean by true nature of God? You know, we all, have, we all know the classic example, you know, the, the from the first vision, we have a truer understanding of the physical nature of the holy trinity mm-hmm. so you know that's now we have a a true an understanding of the true nature of god physically thanks to that one vision right uh, i thought we could spend a few minutes this morning talking about as best we can you know the true nature of god when it comes to how and when does god answer our prayers mm-hmm you know, I would love to say every time I'm on my knees, I get an answer. You know, that ne- rarely happens. You know, what's sort of God's standard operating procedure when it comes to answering prayers? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and so if you thought that would be a good topic, maybe we'll go with that for a few minutes and see where it takes us. Yeah, I think it'll be great. A reading of the story of the disciples in the storm in the New Testament helps me understand the true nature of God, better understand it when it comes to 
him answering my prayers. We all know the context of the story. I'll set that. You know, he had fed the 5,000. Mm-hmm. And after feeding the 5,000, the Savior tells his disciples, well, he dismisses the 5,000, of course, sends them home to ponder on his teachings. Okay. And he says to disciples to hop in a boat and travel across the Sea of Galilee to this city called Bethsaida. Not important to the story. Anyway, he sends them that direction. And he says, I will catch up with you later. And he wants to spend some time up on a mountain commuting with his father in heaven. As the disciples are rowing in this boat across the Sea of Galilee, they find themselves in the middle of a terrible storm. Mm -hmm. John says the storm arose by a great wind that blew. Matthew tells us that they were tossed um, with uh, waves that were contrary to them, meaning they were rowing into the wind. Mm-hmm. This storm that uh, Jesus later you know, walks on the water and calms the storm. Peter walks on the water, too. We all know that incredible part of the story. Mm-hmm. To understand the help, to help me understand the true nature of God when it comes to answering prayers, uh, I need to understand the chronological time that the boat was in the storm and what the Savior was doing on the shore while his disciples were fighting the storm. Mark tells us that when evening was come, the ship was in the middle of the sea when the storm hit. So the first question we have to ask ourselves is, what time is it? When does evening start? Mm -hmm. 5 p.m., 6 p.m., 7 Mm p.m.? Scriptures don't stay, and any of those answers is probably correct, but let's keep that in the back of our heads. It's probably sometime between 5 and 7 And they're already in the storm, but that's when the story picks up. So they're in a storm sometime around 5 to 7 p.m. When does Christ end the storm? Well, Matthew tells us, in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out unto them walking on the sea. A New Testament night was divided into four watches. The first watch began at 6 p.m. and ended at 9 p.m. And the second watch started at 9 p.m. and ended at midnight. The third watch of the night went from midnight to 3 a.m. And the fourth watch of the night went from 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. And if you look at uh, the footnotes in Matthew's account of the story, you'll see that the fourth watch is actually actually say in our King James Version, this is between 3 a.m. and 6 Mm a.m. So the disciples were fighting the storm sometime between 5 and 7 p.m., if that's when evening starts, mm-hmm. and 3 and 6 a.m. So depending on when you want to estimate the storm started or they were started in the storm and Christ walked on the water, this could be anywhere between 8 and 13 hours mm-hmm. of growing in the storm, 8 to 13 hours. What was the Savior doing this whole time? Well, Mark tells us that he was on the land watching them toiling and rowing. And the footnote in Mark's account of the story says that toiling and rowing means that they were struggling with their oars. Of course, they were struggling with their oars. They're rowing in a storm. Mm-hmm. Disciples were in this middle of this terrible storm doing the Savior's bidding, mind you. They had to have been tired and hungry, and cold, and wet, Mm -hmm. and probably scared and afraid. Mm -hmm. 
eight to 13 hours. And what was the Savior doing this whole time? Absolutely nothing until the fourth watch when he calmed the storm and ended their trial. So what do we learn from the story? Well, we're told to liken the scriptures unto ourselves. Well, what I learned from the story is I'm this disciple in the boat. You and me, Megan, we follow Christ's teachings. And sometimes and oftentimes, storms hit and storms hit hard. And we get tired and we get scared and our faith is tested and our faith could be shaken. And what do we do? Well, like in the scriptures unto ourselves, what did the disciples do in their storm? They could have rowed back to shore from where they started from. They could have said, wow, this storm is too rough. Let's go back to shore, wait it out, and then do what the Savior asked us to do. Mm -hmm. But they didn't. They did not. They were bound and determined to follow the Savior's instructions with exactness, no matter how fierce the storm. And then the Savior ended the storm in the fourth watch. And that's the key to the story. Mm-hmm. The disciples were never alone. They thought they were. They may have felt they were, but they weren't. Christ was keenly aware of them the entire time, but was indeed content to not interfere until the Savior felt lesson learned, whatever. Mm-hmm. We call that the fourth watch. And then he ended the trial. The Savior seems to treat me anyway, Megan, when it comes to answering my prayers. I go through trials. I pray for relief. And often, always, <laughs> I feel I am alone and that my trial will never end. But it seems to be the nature of God end such trials in what I'm calling what others have called the fourth watch and not the first watch, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. He's giving me, he's giving you and me time to develop faith and patience and compassion and empathy. You know, those traits necessary for exaltation for mm-hmm. those of us dying for that. Mm-hmm. So the problem, as uh, you and I have mentioned previously, is I, we, are first watch disciples. Right. You know, as soon as a trial hits, I'm on my knees immediately petitioning God, end this trial, take it away, put my life back to how it was before the trial started. Mm-hmm. Get me that old job back. Bring my child or loved one back into the fold. But I wait through the first, I wait through the second, I wait through the third about to go ballistic over here. Heavenly Father does answer prayers, but if my analysis is correct, it's the nature of God to answer prayers in the fourth watch or later than we wish, which gives us time to protect, perfect our souls. All right. That is awesome. How's that for your false doctrine dose of the day? (laughs) Not false doctrine at all. I absolutely love it, actually. I think it is very true. And I think that many of us have experienced that. I wonder if the um, apostles, though, were just trying to go it alone. Because a lot of times when we were in trials, we're like, okay, I can fix this. Like, I can do it. Like... You know, you're not quite ready to hand it all over, right? And say, uh, okay, 
I really can't do this without you. So he may have just been waiting to be like, so when do you really need me? Like, when are you really going to turn to me and say, yep, I can't do it without you? What do you think about that? Huh, interesting. You know, the, the stories, uh, the, the, the accounts and Matthew and and Mark and, and others don't mention that the disciples actually prayed in the boat. But again, with the narrative, it's a short story. So right. they, prob- they probably did. But good point. You know, we can have a whole nother podcast of time about the, the dichotomy of the emphasis of self-sufficiency, mm-hmm. self-reliance mm-hmm. versus no, pray to God for everything. You ask me about everything. Mm-hmm. I'm here for you entirely. That you can do nothing without my help anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that is a really um, hard thing to balance, right? Because we are taught to be self-reliant and to try and come up with solutions for our problems on our, like, think and ponder yeah. and come up with a solution and then take it to the Lord and say, hey, this is my solution. What do you think? Right. right. Um, but then at the same time, we're also commanded to, like, turn everything over to him and yeah. rely solely on him for everything that we have. Yeah. And so it's this fine balance because I often tell people, I think God gave us a brain for a reason. Like he wants us to use it. He wants us to see if things will work and, you know, test things out. And so that's really hard. Another point I had about this was, you know, it was hard. The struggle was hard with these apostles and they were really in the thick of it. And it was like consuming them and they were exhausted and they were tired. And then at the end, not only did Christ come and help them, but he did a great miracle too. Yes. Like he walked yes. on the water. It wasn't like he just like showed up in the ship and was like, okay, everybody be calm. You're right. You know, exactly. he was like, I'm going to walk through this storm on the water. And then one of my apostles is going to do the same thing. Yes. Yeah, we all recall the name of uh, President Kimball's great book, Faith Precedes the Miracle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Faith Precedes the Miracle. There is a miracle waiting for all of us at the end of these trials, uh, provided that we endure to the end of our trial. It could very well, I can only speculate, it could very well have been that the same disciples rode back to the shore, waited the storm out, and then rode, and maybe Jesus wouldn't have had a problem with that but they would not have seen the miracle. They would not have had the, the great blessing at the end of saying, look Jesus in the eye and say, I did what you asked with exactness every step of the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so do you have any examples of where this is p- applicable in our life? Like just an example. There, there's countless scripture examples mm-hmm. of God giving great promises and then always coming through, but taking a long time. And a long time doesn't have to be lifetime. You know, look at Joseph Smith in the, again, the first vision. You know, he was attacked. He prayed for relief. God sent the Holy Ghost to break up the attack. That attack probably didn't last more than two or three minutes. Mm-hmm. I, again, I'm speculating. Joseph has never said five or 10 minutes for go go there if you want. But if you ask Joseph Smith, you know, how long did it take God to answer that prayer? Joseph Smith said, well, that attack long lasted long enough for me to 
what did he say? I was ready to give yeah. it all up. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's too early in the morning. I can't remember his exact quote. But, uh, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, look at uh, Hagar had been banished from Ishmael's camp. No, from Abraham's camp with her son Ishmael. Mm-hmm. And they were walking in the desert and they were out of water. And, you know, she petitioned Heavenly Father for relief. And he sent an angel who showed them to water. Prayer answered. Well, if you ask Hagar, how long did it take for that prayer to answer? She'd say, well, I was getting to the point where I was ready to lay my son under a bush and walk away from him because I didn't watch him to die. Mm-hmm. You know, she was at her wit's end. Joseph Smith was at his wit's end before these, these answers came through. Mm-hmm. Um, those of us who have uh, health issues, some of those, our health issues will last our whole lives. Mm-hmm. We will not see improvement in this mortal life. Mm-hmm. But we'll see it soon enough. Mm-hmm. You know, some of us have gone months and years without meaningful employment. Some of us have gone months and years with a loved one mm-hmm. or a strained relationship. Um, in his own way, Heavenly Father will answer indeed all of these prayers. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, it could take months, if not years, if not decades. So we can learn love and empathy and patience and those other attributes we need if we expect to get through those pearly gates. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's an example of how Heavenly Father is a really good parent, right? He's like, there is, there is a much to be learned in the struggle that if it's fixed immediately, I'm denying them certain blessings and because we we can often look like oh he's not listening this is hard why isn't he relieving this and he's like because he's not so worried about that it's not going to be fixed he knows it's going to be fixed right he's more worried about what we're going to learn in the process of getting to that eventual point sure yeah i mean obviously your audience our audience is already where, where i'm about to say we're already here but we're parents too Mm-hmm. Do we indulge our kids with everything they want immediately as they ask it of us? Mm-hmm. Hardly ever. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, you want a new bike, kid? Go earn some, let me see, earn some money for two months. I'll chip in the rest. That's right. a classic example. Right. Been our have used that in the past. Right. I've got a daughter who's a newlywed, and they're dirt poor. Could mm-hmm. I help them financially? I could, but I don't. I'm not going to deny them the blessings of marital cohesiveness that is forged through being dirt poor for Mm -hmm. two or three years. Right. There's a thousand of those examples we can all throw out. Yeah. I have a child knocking on the door and I'm going to deny him entrance. (laughs) Exactly. Right now. No. (laughs) He'll be fine. The miracle will be that I'll open the door in a few minutes. Your child will be uh, learn patience and love and compassion. <laughs> I'm sure that's what's running through his two-year-old brain right now. Yes, you open the door and Miller, how compassionate <laughs> are you now? <laughs> I hate you, Bob. I hate you. <laughs> probably what I say to Heavenly Father more than I should. Right. You know, I, I had a friend here in Chapel Hill who um, had a bout with cancer. I think it was. Anyway, he said he would go to the temple during the middle of, of this physical illness trial and he was mad and he was angry 
and you know, angry at God. I mean that in a good way, if that's even <laughs> ironic mm-hmm. to say it that way. But we all have been angry mm-hmm. at God, if you know what I mean in that way. Mm-hmm. And he would, in the celestial room, and he would say, I, I would, he said to me, I would just dare God to bless me. I was so angry. It's like, why am I still having to deal with this cancer? I've been a great Latter-day Saint my whole life. Mm-hmm. You know, dang it all, do something, do mm-hmm. something. Well, it doesn't always work out, but he worked out. His chemo worked. Mm-hmm. Weeks and months later, his prayer was answered. Mm-hmm. You know, and he looked back and with stories of love and patience and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the struggle is just as important as the miracle at the end. In fact, it's probably more important. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that, that in of itself is a miracle that we struggle and actually don't turn on God. Mm-hmm. You know, be like Job. Don't be like Lehi. Not Lehi. <laughs> don't be like Lehi. What are these two names, the rotten ones? <laughs> Layman and Lemuel? Oh, boy. Oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah, that's really interesting. And I mean, even we see that in the Savior's life too, right? Where he had to struggle in the Garden of Gethsemane. Like the Heavenly Father like left him, was like, "Yes, you got to do this on your own. And even then again on the cross, he didn't get up on the cross and die right away. He suffered for a time. You know, Correct. and that was important for his to for him to become who he needed to be to fulfill yes. his mission. Yes, there, that, that, that's the theme. Megan, you just hit the thesis of statement of this whole conversation for us to become who we want to become. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to struggle. Mm-hmm. A lot of us throw in the towel, don't we? Mm-hmm. A lot of us say, you know, finances are too rough this month. Let's not pay tithing and pay these bills off and then we'll pay tithing or even make up for it when we're back on our financial feet. Mm-hmm. Well, wrong answer. <laughs> but <laughs> but we, we, in our own way, we, we do that, mm-hmm. don't we? I just, I'm starving to death and I didn't really prepare myself for this fast. I know it's only been 15 hours or four and a half hours. Mm-hmm. You know, where's, where's the fridge? Mm-hmm. We all throw in our own towels. I'm, I'm too tired. I said I'd read the scriptures every day, and I'll just double tomorrow. I'm too tired to pray. Mm-hmm. I could, could go on and on. Yeah. I think the real miracle, though, too, is that he expects us to do that in some ways. And so he's like, okay, let's start again. Yes. Let's start again. Yes. Let's start again. Like, he yes. never gets tired of us starting again. Yes. Yes. So, Unlike you with the kid banging at the door where you're about to go, stop banging at my door. Yes. Father, <laughs> your father. <laughs> my father never once has said, stop praying. I'm tired of your prayers. Right. All you do is beg. I, I, I often wonder if, you know, because Miller, the one who was just banging on the door, is in his two stage. So he, like, oh. if he doesn't get what he wants, he'll f- throw himself on the floor in a, you know, right. dramatic show of discontent. Yes. So dramatic. Yes. Anyway, and so, I, you know, and as a parent, now that he's my fifth child, I just chuckle. Yes. Like, I'm like, that's so funny. <laughs> yes. Like, I wonder, I wonder, because I really do believe Heavenly Father has a sense of humor. Oh, yeah. So I wonder if he's like, oh, 
child. It's yes. not that big of a deal. Yes. Like yes. I know you think it is, but that's you right. Know, it's all that's gonna right. be okay. Yes. It says I'm gonna hold my breath till I die because <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes. So, yourself, mm-hmm. which you will. Right. Uh, very true. All true. It's you know, in the end, it's easier said than done, Megan. It is so hard mm-hmm. in the middle in the middle of a trial to see God's handiwork. Mm-hmm. It is so hard in the middle of a trial to not feel alone, to not feel abandoned, to not feel that God is really there. It is so. It doesn't have to be a physical trial. You're looking for a testimony, mm-hmm. and you okay. I read the Book of Mormon. Okay, I'm on my knees. And nothing. Mm-hmm. Well, don't stop the fight. You haven't been abandoned. Mm-hmm. Struggle until the fourth watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. It is hard. It definitely hard is less. hard. But that's why we're sent to Earth for that kind of to be tested in this way. Mm-hmm. Because you you see people. the people who do continue the fight. And most people, and I've had this experience in my own life, is that at the end of the trial, you look back and you go, oh my gosh, I'm a totally different person. I've learned so much that while I didn't enjoy that trial, I would never go back and change it. Right? A lot of people feel that way. I mean, a lot of people may feel like, yeah, I don't want to get cancer again, but on the flip side... The things that I learned are invaluable. Sure, sure. I say that about my mission. Mm-hmm. That was the hardest thing I've ever done. And I don't want to do another one of those. My wife talks about us going on a mission as a senior couple. And I said, you know, I'll wait for you. I'll watch you every week, if maybe every other week at, at most. Uh, but uh, I don't want to do that again. You know, and Christy smacks me every time I bring up childbirth because she says, you don't know what you're talking about. Stop using childbirth in any example ever for any reason. But I hear that's the worst thing you've ever been through. Mm-hmm. Yet when it's over, you look back and it's like, but look what it, look at the miracle that came because right. of that. that right. Absolutely horrible experience. Right. That's a great analogy, actually. You know, a very physical process that we as women go through to have children, but it's also a very spiritual one, too. I mean, yeah. because I have had to go to some pretty dark places when I've had babies to yes. get them here. Yes. So, and I don't really want to ever go there again. So Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yet, yeah. I mean, yet. You, not you personally, but you choose to have another baby. Mm-hmm. You well, choose. yeah, because you know that the what's on the other end yeah. is totally worth it. Yes. And I think that that's why we really chose to come to Earth. I think we did have some concept of what was going to happen, that it was going to be really hard, but we could see what was on the other side. We're like, that is totally worth it. I'll go through anything to get there. Yeah. 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 Well, great, great discussion today, Joel. Thank well, you. <laughs> and thank Miller for his object lesson. And yes, helping I will. It was perfect timing. <laughs> of course. <laughs> okay, so 
This is April. So what do we have to look forward to in May? Well, actually, this is a two-part discussion. Oh, awesome. Part one to this discussion was the Heavenly Father is a you know fourth watch God, as, as others have, have spec- written about. I'm not the only one to bring up this concept. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what if Heavenly Father could be what's called a first watch God? What if we didn't have to wait for answers to prayers? What if he could come immediately? And perhaps there's an area or two where he actually does. Why don't we talk about that next time we're together? All right. Totally excited about that. Yeah. That'll be great. Well, happy conferencing and happy Easter. Yes. And happy April Fool's Day. Yes. And, uh, if I am so selected to be in the quorum of the 12, then, uh, I will end these podcasts and uh, thank you. No, that's when you continue them, Joel. <laughs> I finally have something to say. <laughs> that's oh, when you continue. That's when we'll like get really famous. Like, oh, go. now we'll all listen to Don't Joel. Don't abandon us now. That's right. Oh, You'll be like, God. oh, those little peons that I used to talk to. Now I'm too good for them. Hello, little people. <laughs> All right. Well, you have a great day. Okay. Talk to you later, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. I hope you each enjoyed that discussion just as much as I did and that you're able to learn some things that are are applicable to your life. If you like the podcast, I would love for you to go and leave us a review at theacowlife.com. Um, on iTunes. It's actually easier to do that on your computer than it is on your phone. I don't know why iTunes makes it so difficult, but please go and leave us a review. You can just leave us a star review or you can leave us a written review if you want, but that would really help us to be able to promote the podcast and get it out to other people. I hope you join me again for tomorrow where we are jumping into April, where we will be talking about making your house a home. So I will see you then. Bye-bye.